It's Thursday, August 20th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Mr. Bill Barker. Good to see you, sir. Good to be here. We've got stock buybacks. We have got some retail earnings. We're going to start with the hospitality industry. Uh, two stories, really, in some ways, at opposite ends of the hospitality spectrum. Uh, we've got reports of a potential merger between two hotel operators overseas, uh, Accor, which is based in France, and Intercontinental Hotels, based in England. Um, although um, IHG owns, you know. Uh, hotel brands like Crown Plaza and Holiday Inn. Um, neither of the stocks are really moving a whole lot on this news, but this would be interesting to see play out. In part because I think this would create the largest hotel company in the world in terms of properties. Uh, it might, and they're hotel operators uh, rather than sort of owners for the most part of hotels. So they're they're both reasonably asset light. Businesses, uh, if they were more in the business of owning hotels themselves uh, rather than providing management services, I think they'd both be in a lot more trouble as stocks today, uh, because that that's a lot of uh, near empty properties in a lot of cases, um, and uh, so they're you know hoping that they get their management service bills paid on time by all those hotels who are owned by uh, other companies. But yeah, they're the ones who create the brands or, or have acquired the brands over the years. They've got a lot of different brands, both of these companies, uh, many of which you would know. Uh, but uh, the sense that the merger makes is a core is uh, strongest uh, in Europe and, and as well in some parts of Asia and the Middle East. Uh, and IHG, Intercontinental Hotels Group, stronger here in the U.S. with the Holiday Inn, Crown Plaza, and also very strong in China. So, it's a good uh, geographical uh, merger, potentially, although it seems uh, very early based on the, the reports to conclude that this is going to go anywhere. Yeah, based on the stuff I read this morning, there's definitely some smoke we don't know if there's going to be fire yet, so we'll we'll see how that plays out. Also, Airbnb has filed paperwork with the SEC for a confidential IPO, and I have no idea how this is going to go because right now Airbnb is not disclosing financial information, and they're not disclosing how many shares are going to be offered. So, as someone who has used Airbnb on multiple occasions as a customer and has enjoyed the experience, based on what I'm getting from Airbnb so far in terms of information, I have no interest in this whatsoever. Uh, right. No, you would not, as an investor, want to uh, go too far down the road of thinking about something that won't provide you any of the numbers. Uh, and the numbers are unlikely to be attractive right now, which is one of the reasons why they are probably thinking they need the money. As as bad as things have been for the hospitality industry, uh, and I think they're projecting, or analysts or somebody is projecting that their revenue could be half of what it was last year. Uh, the, nevertheless, this might be a better time to take advantage of stock market enthusiasm uh, for companies like Airbnb uh, than at other times. It's it's valued, uh, its last round of um, raising money 
It was valued uh, far cheaper than it was back in uh, 2017. So things hadn't been going their way, obviously, but uh, they probably need the money. But at some point, they're going to have to give up some information, aren't they? I mean, if, if, they, if they file an S-1? Yes, yes. I mean, unless there are really trusting investors out there. Like, <laughs> I just love the name. Whatever's going on, I'm with you. Yeah, put maybe, me down maybe, for a thousand shares. Maybe, I, I don't care. Now there, now there are some uh, investors like that out there, but they're not deep pocketed ones. Uh, I think there are some some people throwing money around these days in the market without looking too closely at the numbers at times, but not enough of them to fund uh, an an Airbnb IPO. So, yeah, this uh, this all seems a bit preliminary, and uh, I think there's there's more to follow, uh, and whether this is something that moves quickly, I don't know. They they may just be putting enough of what they need to do out there now so that they can act quickly if they have to. Uh, but it does raise a lot of questions as to why there isn't more information about the financials if they're serious. Uh, before we move on to our next topic, real quick, back to Accor and Intercontinental Hotels. Um, are the Accor brands uh, sort of higher end? I mean, I, I'm more familiar with Holiday Inn and Crown Plaza. Um, those are those are not luxury hotel brands. Um, so I'm wondering if at least part of the thinking behind this merger is uh, if Accor has some higher end brands, then you're getting sort of the full spectrum of hotel offerings. Well, they've got plenty of high-end brands. They've got brands uh, at, at luxury, premium, mid-market, and and uh, budget. Uh, and so, uh, maybe in this country, uh, Fairmont uh, and Sofitel would be some of the ones that people would be more familiar with. Uh, although Sofitel is much bigger in parts of Europe, uh, Fairmont is a, a United States and Canada-based group, uh, which people might be familiar with. Uh, and you know the Intercon brand is uh, quite quite high up there too. So I mean, the we know probably most of us know Holiday Inn much better than Intercontinental, but Intercontinental is is one of the you know leading brands uh, for for the hotels as well. So uh, they both have a range, uh, and they they both have plenty of exposure uh, to the middle market. Now, one of the things that you kind of want right now is to have exposure to the middle market because that's more domestic travelers. And as, as we know here right now, uh, nobody wants us traveling to their country. So those US dollars are not arriving in European or, or Asian hotels, uh, but people are beginning to travel where they can. And for the most part, that's uh, within their own country these days. People aren't getting on international flights. I think Qantas came out today and talked about not expecting, uh, you know, global travel to really uh, return until mid 2021. Uh, so, you know, you've got to have exposure to some of the things that are being used. Uh, that's that is the domestic travel. Of course, Airbnb has got exposure to both, but. Um, you know they they both of these brands have exposure both to a lot of places geographically and a lot of different uh, tiers of the hotel market. 
Intel announced an accelerated plan to buy back $10 billion worth of stock. CEO Bob Swan says that the shares are trading, and I'm quoting here, well below our intrinsic valuation. And that may, in fact, be the case. But this is... Look, I know they've got the money. This is a $200 billion company. Intel has the money. The optics really aren't great here for Intel. Uh, what optics were you hoping for from Intel? What, 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 would you, what would you prefer than them saying, hey, our stock is really cheap. We're going to take advantage of that. Well, I think the, in normal times, this probably would not be something we'd be talking about on this show. These are not normal times. There are, there's been a, a pretty dramatic cutting back of share repurchase programs. Um, in some cases, it's because companies, uh, you know, their businesses are troubled and they're looking to shore up the cash. In other cases, uh, some companies are laying people off, and it would be, among other things. Uh, impolite to be buying back your own stock at a time when you're laying off employees. Uh, so, uh, you know, in the case of Intel, um, it, it's it's not that they're laying people off. It's that look, we talk all the time about capital allocation, and some companies are better at it than others. If I were an Intel shareholder, I would be wanting them to plow that $10 billion not into their own stock. I would want them to plow it into speeding up the timeline on this next generation uh, 7 nanometer production technology, where they came out recently and said, oh yeah, we're actually about a year behind schedule on that. It's like, well, that's kind of your business, so maybe you want to speed that up. Yeah, I have a feeling that that is a bigger problem with execution than capital allocation, that they haven't been skimping on the, the amount of capital allocated to uh, getting the, the newest uh, you know, generation of chips out there. Uh, so, you know, they have been buying back shares rather consistently over the past 20 years, really. And they, they knock off, you know, uh, have been knocking off around 100 million Shares a year. This is going to be 166 million. Um, you know, instead of raising a dividend, they're going to buy back shares. They're both really return of capital to shareholders. Of course, share buybacks have gotten uh, bad press uh, from some. Uh, but in the case of a company that is not laying off people, but needs to ramp up and perhaps incentivize some of its people to. Uh, get moving a little bit faster or a lot faster. I'm sure shareholders would prefer a lot faster on this next generation of chips. Uh, I don't think this really moves the needle on that uh, or that it is a capital allocation which is in any way preventing the needle from being moved on you know the the speed with which they can get the next generation out I, it's it's reasonably close to a, a non-issue as in terms it's a big headline 10 billion dollars buying back shares 10 billion dollars you know but what's what's the market doing with that today what's it up you know percent 2% well right and it's stock buyback plans under certain circumstances, and I think this is one of them, under certain circumstances, uh, they're just so uninspiring. Like if you're an Intel shareholder, you're not jumping up and down at at, the, at this announcement. 
it's like, well, we got nothing else to do. We have no better ideas. You know, th- this is one of those buyback plans where they might have just led with, because we don't have any better ideas, we've decided to just take this ten billion and buy back our own stock. It is, and it's a it's a timing thing, which is, hey, our stock just collapsed fifteen to twenty percent on the latest news. You know what? The news isn't that bad, and and to prove that. Uh, we're going to buy $10 billion back. So take that, you know, market. Well, the market's looking at that like, eh, we'll give you 2% of your share price back. That's, <laughs> that's not the problem. The problem is not that you have too many shares out there. That's not the problem. All right, you've got, you know, a few shares less. So we'll, we'll, give, you, we'll give you something for that. We, we, we agree to a degree that your share price is maybe a little bit too low today. But not much. L Brands posted a profit in the second quarter. The parent company of Victoria's Secret and Bath and Body Works also saw revenue come in higher than expected, and shares are up around six percent today, and close to a fifty-two week high. I think um, this was, uh, at least in terms of the profit, um, a, a surprisingly good quarter. Uh, yes, uh, the, I heard recently, I think yesterday, that uh, as of right now, L Brands is the top performing uh, Fortune 500 uh, stock for the quarter, the quarter having begun at the beginning of July, which was about the bottom for uh, Intel, uh, sorry, uh, L Brands share price. So uh, it's a nice little starting point for this particular story that their stock has, has recovered somewhat. It's you know, a stock that used to be hundred bucks a share back in 2016 got down to about ten in April. Uh, so that is the bigger picture here. All right, it's tripled since the bottom, which is nice if you acquired all your shares at the bottom. But uh, you know, it's it's a it's a, a tale of two stocks or not two stocks, two brands right now: Victoria's Secret and um, Bath and Body Works. They're going in very different directions right now, uh, and this quarter was further proof of that. Uh, Bath and Body Works did uh, pretty much all the heavy list lifting, and that is the the company that is now you know the one that you're mostly going to watch going forward because they're they're trying to get rid of Victoria's Secret. I like that the management of Al Brands. While on the one hand saying we're not going to offer any guidance for the rest of the fiscal year, went out of their way to lower expectations for the holiday season. I mean, they were pretty direct in sort of warning about, you know, look, holiday season is usually a, a big time for us. Don't read anything into, you know, to, please don't think that we're going to sell anything this holiday season. Uh, yeah, they talked about trying to move some of the sales from the fourth quarter into the third quarter uh, and point out that the vast majority of their sales, especially the Bath & Body Works sales, occur uh, at the holiday season. And if malls are places that you either can't get into or uh, are largely going to be choosing not to get into, uh, that's really, really tough for this company uh, because they are heavily invested in malls and their online operations have been doing better and they highlighted that and they've had some sort of eye-popping numbers on 
the the growth of the online sales for this quarter. Uh, but you know, you're comparing that to uh, you know the last year when people really weren't turning you know to these brands for their online purchases. So it's nice that they have an online operation that is doing better today than it was before today. Uh, but they they know the challenge that uh, is facing them if you know if Christmas is not a big shopping in person at mall shopping season, they need to lower expectations. And there's no way to count on that being you know a tailwind for them. Last week on Motley Fool Money, one of the things we talked about was how, for anyone who is going into a grocery store or a CVS or anything like that, and seeing Halloween candy for sale and thinking like, am I crazy or is it starting earlier this year? You're not crazy. It's Hershey has worked with all these retailers to get Halloween candy in sooner. Starbucks and Dunkin' are both rolling out their fall menus earlier than usual, earlier than ever, in fact. And uh, it was nice to see that Bath & Body Works is following suit uh, because on their website, uh, they're promoting the pumpkin cupcake candles. Which you know, if they pull that off, as, and they're pretty good at the candles, but that that's probably a, a, a nice scent, a have nice had, autumnal scent. Have you had your first uh, pumpkin spice latte of the season? Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't drink those. Although I am have partial you had to... the fir- first one of your lifetime yet? <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> but I, I I am a fan of the uh, the pumpkin. Uh, I think they call them a muffin, but really it's a cupcake at, at at Starbucks. They've got like this pumpkin with cream cheese in the middle, and it's. Not even remotely healthy and quite decadent and and pretty delicious. It's one of the the rare food items at Starbucks that I enjoy. How are we doing Halloween this year? Has the Grand Council put out any guidance on uh, Halloween twenty twenty? I don't I don't think so. In the same way that we I think we talked on yesterday's show about uh, um, uh, Amazon has not given any guidance on when Prime Day is coming uh, is coming. Uh, uh, the Grand Council has not uh, provided guidance on Halloween. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be a tough one. Uh, so, I'm uh, fortunate in that uh, my kids aren't out there trick or treating anymore because I think that's going to be a tough, uh, you know, tough challenge. Uh, but you know what, we should both do. I mean, just in case, because th- this could be like a last minute decision by the Grand Council. We should just stock up on Halloween candy just in case. And what's the well, worst that happens? It's in the happens? stores right now. It's in stores right now. What's the worst that happens? We end you, up eating it. Is that know, so you, bad? You'd be foolish not to stock up on Halloween candy right now, because it's these there. Prices, it, might, it might all be gone by Halloween, and then what are you going to do? Yeah, then you're in trouble. Then you're suffering. Then, you, then there, there's no way. There's no way there'll be enough candy this year. Uh, so I actually a fear for for Halloween. We're, we're going to have to, you know, reschedule probably for, for some other point in the year. You know what? If if college football is, you know, if there are colleges and conferences saying we're going to move this to the spring, I'd be fine. If the Grand Council came out and said we're moving this to March, I'm like, all right, that's fine. I'll buy some candy in March. I think it's one of those things that maybe we do need to revisit. Like like there are certain things that are changing at this time, and and new systems are being adopted, and people will end up using them more because they work better. Uh, and something like a, a Zoom um, it will be used more after this. 
uh, as people will just continue to use it more. And maybe, you know, the, the placement of Halloween, could it be better? Could it be at a better time of the year? What do you think? Well, uh, I, I'm, I'm loath to move it. Uh, first of all, I'm not on the Grand Council, uh, so I don't have that kind of authority. Uh, second of all... That's exactly uh, what somebody on the Grand Council would say. Uh, secondly, you know, the, the pumpkin, you need the pumpkin. That's like, that's, they go together like peanut butter and jelly. So that's when pumpkins are grown. So I, I'm, I, if, if we're going to move it, I wouldn't move it much in either direction. Maybe bump it up earlier in October, but I wouldn't. Bump it up earlier, maybe, uh, you know, when it's uh, a little bit lighter outside. Sure, a little bit lighter. Little sure, little we, kids, go to, you know? we go to early October. I'd be up for that. Yeah, something like that. Talk, talk right. to your people. I'll talk to my people, and uh, you talk to your people, and then we'll uh, we'll both make sure we're stocked up on candy. Bill Barker, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.